It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.08 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I am here to help you be more successful. If you have any types of failures in your landscape, with your lawn, with your trees, with your shrubs, with your flowers, if you've got something that's just winding you up and not letting you go, give me a call at 404-872-0750. We will try to elucidate an answer together. 404-872-0750. I'll tell you something that I am now remembering that I need to be doing this afternoon is I have little patches of chickweed, and I mean they're little, they're barely as big as my palm, in my front lawn. And if I let that patch of chickweed go, it will, by May sometime, be three to four feet wide, and there'll be seeds everywhere, and they will infect my lawn with weeds next, next uh, winter. So what I need to do this afternoon, I don't think it's going to be very windy at all, so I can go out there with my broadleaf weed killer, Weed Be Gone, or one of the other broadleaf weed killer products, and spray it. Just a little spot spray, a little hand-operated spray, and spray all the pieces of chickweed that escaped my pre-emergent. Because sometimes they do. Sometimes your pre-emergent is not 100% accurate, and sometimes it does allow a couple of seeds to germinate. And the ones that did escape, that little bitty patch of chickweed as big as my palm now, I do not want it to grow because it will be really big by the first of the summer. That's a good thing to do. You too as well. If you've got weeds, control them now. Conchita is in Lawrenceville, Georgia and joins us in Lawn and Garden. Hey, Conchita, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Um, I have a 22-year-old privet hedge. Please wow. do not judge. Mm. It was before we knew better. <laughs> <And> <laughs> All right, I'm not judging nothing. I mean, I depended. My, You know, Conchita, where the name privy, you know what a privy is? Yes, I, I do. Yeah, okay. My family is the example, the perfect example of that. We had an outdoor outhouse when I was a kid, and there were a privet hedge all around it to conceal it from the neighbors. So I, I know where we're going here, but you don't you don't have an outdoor outhouse, I don't believe. No, I don't. Okay, so Thankfully, how can I I'm past that one. All right. Um, so anyway, we would like to start taking it out. Um, we, it marks the property line for our dogs. We have two large dogs, so mm-hmm. when we let them out front, it's good for them to know that. Okay. And we really like that the birds like the privet hedge because they nest it as <laughs> well. Sure. So we're trying to figure out how to replace it with something maybe three to five foot tall, evergreen, mm. um, you know, just easy to maintain and that the birds will like. Got any ideas? We've been looking around. Mm, 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 mm. Dwarf Burford Holly is a possibility. It wants to be six to eight feet tall, but it is pretty easily pruned every couple, three years maybe, to keep dwarf Burford Holly down in the five-foot range. That's a possibility. Um, I I don't think I've ever seen a bird roosting and making a nest or anything in a um, emerald green arborvitae. But emerald green arborvitae is certainly evergreen and very attractive, so you can try that. In fact, almost in most cases, mixing things up is something that I like a lot. So you could use the uh, dwarf Burford holly and the emerald, emerald green arborvitae. An alternatum. An alternatum, yeah, something like that. Yeah, because I, I don't mind that either. So, you know, we're more than willing to kind of switch it up a bit. You know, if you want to switch up something that would be really nice for you, 
put an osmanthus in there. Osmanthus or uh, fragrant tea olive is another name for it. Ooh, you will really like that one, Conchita. Yeah, and is there a way to... We have one of those. Mm. Um, And it took a long time for it to start really getting bigger, and now it is. So is it... I guess it's easy enough to keep them to that kind of that range. Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure, sure, five feet. And I think between the three of those, if you want more... I'm sure I have more at my um, website. Just type in um, shade, not shade, but screening, screening plants or screening trees or something like that. It'll take you to the page. It has a whole list of of screening plants. But the arborvitae and the dwarf Burford holly and maybe an osmanthus between the three of those. would like all three of those? Yeah, they do all fine. Or at least two of them. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure talking to you. We'll see you soon. Uh Bye-bye. Twelve minutes past the hour. And that gives TJ his turn. TJ's in Marietta, and here he is on the air. Hey, TJ. Hey, Walter, how are you? All right. What's up? All right. I have some fruit trees. I have um, peach, plums, all kinds of fruit trees. But I've been dealing with brown rot and black rot. been using captain and sulfur to try to get rid of it. And I just needed to know a remedy to actually just get rid of (laughs) that so I can enjoy my fruit. Don't use the word get rid of or eliminate or completely control because it's not going to happen. Okay. For peaches and plums and, and the others that you mentioned, I think captan is a very good. It's labeled for use on vegetables and fruits, and it should control the brown rot pretty well, but timing is important. So I would say you start with your first captan spray around the time they bloom because that will help a lot to control brown rot is you get the um, blooms not to have any fungus in them, and so the bees don't carry it around as they're pollinating your trees. So the first spray with captain would be when a quarter to a half of the blooms are open on the peach tree or the plum tree or whatever you got. And then a second spray of captain when almost all the blooms are falling off. There's still a few on there, but almost all are gone. That'd be a second spray. That'll be about a week and a half to two weeks after you do the first spray. And I think that is probably your best bet completely. I don't think you need to do many more, if not maybe one more spraying uh, sometime in April. But that, generally speaking, if not get rid of, controls brown rot pretty well. Okay. And one last question. Um, When you fertilize or actually put plant food out there for the trees, when is the best time to do that? When the leaves are just opening up. Not now. Wait another two weeks, three weeks maybe. Just keep your eyes on the tree. And when the buds are pink and are just about to open up into leaves, that's the best mm-hmm. time to fertilize. And, oh. you know, honestly, truly, TJ, you need to do it twice. Let's do it one time when the leaves are just opening up, and then another time May would be about right. Okay. Okay. Feed well, them, I- make them happy, and get that brown rot under control if not eliminated. Oh, yes, yes. And, um... I guess one more question. Um, let's see, pruning. Yeah. When would be the best time to prune those? Today, 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 today. It's today. going to be 50-some degrees this afternoon. It's going to be reasonably warm, and you can get out and not be shivering and thinking how stupid you are for being out <laughs> in 32-degree weather. Like, Yeah, do it today. Okay, thank right. you. Thank Thanks. you so much, Walter. You bet, TJ. Thanks for calling. All right, you have a blessed day. Our phone number is 404 872 0750. The numbers that David, who's in Brookhaven, dialed just a few minutes ago. Hey, David, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you today? All right. What's up? I have got some nice, large oak leaf hydrangeas, and I wanted to know the proper time to prune. Why do you want to prune them? Uh, because they're getting leggy at the top, 
and they're uh, they're large plants, but they just need to you know look to be knocked down a little bit. I have some. Generally speaking, uh, oak leaf hydrangeas don't need to be pruned much. Generally, they just don't just don't grow out of bounds. They grow pretty well in the place you have them. I have a particular reason for pruning mine, which is they're right next to a little wall that I walk past all the time. If they get big and floppy, they're flopping over the wall, and they're in my face when I walk past. I don't like that, yes, so I cut off the, the limbs that are flopping. So my time to do that pruning is when the leaves are it's sort of like just now with the, with the plum tree, is when the leaves are just budding out just a little bit on there. I've still got some green leaves on mine now. But I think when the spring warm weather has happened just a couple of days, maybe in late February, that's when I would be most likely to prune the uh, oak leaf hydrangea. Okay. I appreciate it. i got a quick question. I'm going to add three more Japanese maples to my yard. Yeah. And is, is now a good time to plant them? Oh, gosh, yes. Perfect. Okay. And again, today, because it's going to rain tomorrow, if there's a right. perfect day in the winter, I don't know what it is. Now, okay. soon, go get one. Spend I'll your money. It. I'll get three. <laughs> All right. You care. bet. Plant them. We'll see you, man. It's 717, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. A beautiful day for spraying chickweed. That's what I'm going to go do. Highest this afternoon. 54, 55 degrees, the lows overnight, 29. Tomorrow, Super Bowl Sunday, cloudy skies, rain likely, high of around 53 degrees. You get your full weekend forecast, comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. William is in Conyers and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, William. Hey. Hey. What's up? I've got a fig tree uh, I broke off the roots back in December. Mm-hmm. And I was, I got it in a big tote uh, right now, I guess, probably like a 30-gallon or so, Yeah, 18-gallon. I was going to see what I need to do. Do you want to plant it in the ground? What do you, what's your... Well, uh, I want to plant it in the ground probably like next year. Why wait so long? Why not put it in the ground now? I really ain't got this. I've got some work I got to do around the house uh-huh. where I want it, so... I guess, I mean, if I need to, I will, but... I think you need I to. I don't want to... William, it's not going to be happy in that pot. It's going to be... You know, figs get big. Figs want to be 10 or 15 feet high and 10 or 15 feet wide, and wanting to get that high and trying to deal with the little amount of soil, the 18-gallon pot that you got it in right now, it's not going to be the best thing for the fig. So okay. my view is find a sunny spot that's away from where you're doing all the work on the house, put it in the ground, and when it's time to move it, when you have when you finished all your other work, then move it then. But I do not think you ought to leave it in the pot. I just don't think it's going to be happy there. Okay, so it's okay to go ahead and transplant it today, I guess? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today's a perfect day. Put it in the ground, and then same day next year when you get your chores done, we'll do it again. Now, what, what kind of uh, fertilizer and stuff do I need to keep it happy? Once you have it in the ground, um, figs don't require a lot of fertilizer when they're young. If they get a lot of fertilizer, they tend to get real long, sprangly branches of them, which I don't like. Just every once in a while, maybe, William, a little handful of 10-10-10 or a little handful of lawn fertilizer that doesn't have a weed killer in it or just a little bit of fertilizer, a handful. I know that's real exact, but... 
Okay. A handful is what I would use. And they would just be on a day when I think, oh, yeah, look at my feet. It needs a little, and I throw the 10, 10, 10 over on it. So it doesn't yeah. need much. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thank you, much. All right, William. Thanks for calling. Our phone number is 404-872-0750. A reminder, we've been having those nice spots from Carilla's Flowers. They've got a great Valentine's Day. I love these little contests. They're great. A little Valentine's Day contest. You can go to WSBRadio slash wsbradio.com slash contest and see the um, the entrance form entry form right there. All we want to find out is what is the sweetest, most memorable Valentine you ever got. Give us about oh, 100, 200 words or something like that. Enter it, and we will then, sometime before Valentine's Day, I think we'll do the judging. Ashley Frasca and I will do the judging, and we'll decide who is the who is the recipient of the sweetest Valentine in the world. But again, the Carithers Valentine's Day Contest, wsbradio.com forward slash contests. Justin is in Cherokee County and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Justin. How you doing? I'm all right. What's up? I've got a plant in my front yard. I'm not sure what it's called. It grows about six to eight inches around and maybe get an inch tall, and it's got a bunch of little prickly, like, briar things on it. I've tried to get rid of it multiple ways, and I can't get rid of it. Sand spur or sand burr is the name a lot of people call it because it, it grows in South Georgia better than it does in North Georgia, but I know that people around here have had it before. Here's the good news. It is an annual plant, which means you, Justin, can put a pre-emergent out, and it will prevent the seeds from germinating, and the little prickly things will eventually decompose, and you won't have them anymore. The key to it is put the pre-emergent out early. Put it out around the 1st of March, and maybe a second application in May. Mid-May would be about right. The two applications of pre-emergent, will prevent the seeds from germinating, and then you won't have those little bushy things that make all the prickle things on the ends. So that's the key. Pre-emergent, do it once in uh, early May, early March, I mean, and another time in May, and sand bird no longer a problem. Already, I appreciate it. All right, be careful. I know those sand birds, they hurt. You step on those sorry things, and it just hurts, hurts, hurts. Yeah, the kids get them more than <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's where a lot of people learn their first bad word is when they step on one of those things, and it just makes it hurt. Take care of it, Justin. Thanks for calling, man. It's 727. This is Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.35 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your landscape. And all you have to do is give me a call, 404-872-0750, 404-872-0750. Anything about anything that photosynthesizes, freely answered while you wait. E.B. is in Griffin, Georgia, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. E.B., uh, hey, man. Yes, it's uh, a lady. It's a she, a she, E.B. <laughs> oh, yeah, Walter. Uh, I have a Japanese cherry tree that uh, evidently is diseased. It uh, has a lot of that uh, clear gel running out, and the bark is peeling, Ow. and it's turning dark. Yeah. Uh, is it too late to t- uh, cut it way back? 
What would cause the bark to come off of a Japanese maple? Now, I'm curious. Uh, well, it looks like it's disease from the, uh, and all that uh, uh, sap is running mm. out, and it just started peeling at the, uh, mostly uh, at the middle of the tree, yeah. you know, where the limbs start branching out. So how tall is it now, E.B.? Oh, it's about, I, I would say it's 20 feet tall. It's ah, about, Lord have mercy. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. It's it's a big tree, uh, mm. and it blooms. Uh, it, I cut one limb out that was completely dead uh, last year, right. and it didn't didn't affect it. You know, I mean, it, it still bloomed this past wait, year. Wait, wait, wait! A Japanese maple bloomed. Yeah, I guess they do have those little red thingies on the, you know, the branch. All right, blooms. A Japanese maybe. cherry, the cherry tree. Oh, cherry tree! I'm oh, sorry about this maple. Hey, come on! <laughs> I knew something fit in there. <laughs> yeah, I've got some maples. I've got some Japanese maples, but this is a cherry. All right. Now we understand about the deterioration, okay. the okay. bleeding, and all that stuff. Okay. The right time to prune would be, I think, any time from today until the middle of March, more likely. So okay, and I can trim it away back, can I, with it? You know, I don't know. A, it's sick. It doesn't sound like it really wants to be messed with too much. So okay. if you take off less than, I'm going to say 25%, just give yourself this uh, limit. If you take off this limb and that limb over there and the one on the top, and it's less than 25% of the tree, I think you're safe and the tree will be healthy. If you take off 50% or more, I think that cherry tree is not going to be happy at all. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate that because I need to get something done and make it get healthy. Yeah, today's the day to do it. And don't forget, there is <laughs> okay. a difference between Japanese maple and Japanese I, cherry. I know. I, I've got both, but I don't know why I said <laughs> that. But thanks a lot for correcting me. <laughs> thanks, thanks for calling me, Pete. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Confederate Rose, Confederate Jasmine, which is which, we don't know. 404-872-0750 is the number. Scott is in Atlanta, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Scott. Hey, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm all right. What's up? Hey, uh, my parents were originally out from the West Coast, and he would uh, grow tomatoes in five-gallon buckets. Yeah. And that always worked really well out there. And they've recently retired out here to Snellville, Georgia. And I set him up some buckets and got him a couple different varieties of tomatoes and planted them. And, like, only one of them did anything. The other ones just kind of dwindled away and died. I don't know what was happening if, if you... Do you have any ideas of might? Let me ask you, where in California was he growing tomatoes? San Francisco or Los Angeles or? Uh, Sonoma County, northern, northern oh, California, right. about 70 miles north of San Francisco. A lot of the success in growing tomatoes in buckets depends on your ability or somebody's ability to water them because a five-gallon bucket is just not quite enough soil mass to keep the soil from drying out on a hot summer day. So okay. if you want to plant them in buckets, that's fine with me, but I would try for some of the smaller type of tomatoes. Look for determinate tomatoes. It'll say on the tag, it'll say this, is, this seed is a determinate tomato, which means it's going to be a little smaller and less demanding on the amount of water that the soil in the bucket can hold. Um, sometimes patio tomatoes, bush tomatoes is another name for it, but they're a lot smaller than the indeterminate ones, which grow eight feet tall and get all out of hand and yeah. use a lot of water. So look for determinate tomatoes or bush tomatoes or patio tomatoes and I think you'll be a lot happier. Okay, determinate. Yeah, and be, right. you know, be assiduous about watering those things cuz in the summer 
easily. One mature tomato plant can dry the soil out of the bucket completely, and then you've got big problems. You've got blossom end rot, you've got wilting leaves, and just all sorts of things that don't make a tomato very happy. Okay, and what about grape tomatoes? Is that uh, indeterminate? There are some that are and some that aren't. Read the label. The Okay. Golden Prince. What is this one that I saw the other day? It was determined Golden Princess or Golden Golden Prince, something like that. There, I saw a determinant tomato the other day that was one of the grape tomatoes. So you can find it. Okay. Them. All right. I'll make sure to tell them to remember to water. That might have yeah. been the problem. Huh? Watering, <laughs> watering will be a problem. A lot of times, I say the best container for a tomato on the patio is not a bucket, but a half whiskey barrel. You can get you know a lot of, of soil into a half whiskey barrel, and that amount of soil mass stores water and doesn't dry out in just one day. Gotcha. All right. Well, I appreciate it. You bet, Scott. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Comes now Miss Amy from Cartersville. Amy joins us on Lawn and Garden. Amy, good, good morning. morning. Hi. Thanks for, thanks for taking my call. I have a question. Sure. We just purchased the property. We've had the backyard fenced and graded. It's approximately a half acre. Okay. But now I've got a whole yard full of mud, and I have two dogs. Mm. I have a whole yard full of dirt. Yeah. What kind of grass can I plant? Should it be hydro-seeded? Should it be strawed? Can it be hand? And what's going to grow right now, January 31st? Mmm, no. you have presented a big problem, Amy, because <laughs> there's, there's not much that's going to germinate in the cold weather that we have now. The soil temperatures are in the 40s right now, and seas really need to be at least 50 degrees, if not 55 degrees, for soil around them to, to cause the seeds to germinate. So... Is there? I mean, with a half an acre, you got to be a millionaire to, to put sod in, but that's one possibility, I guess. You get fescue sod and lay it down now. Okay. As far as seed goes, there's just not much help for you. It's not going to germinate, and it'll take from now till March to germinate. Oh, okay. Mm. Well, so you're saying fescue sod is the only real answer. Right now, that's the one I'd recommend, yeah. Now, yeah. you're, you got all that sunshine in the backyard. I'm, I'm assuming Correct. it's full sun. Correct. And that means that the fescue itself isn't the permanent right solution because in full sun in the south, ooh, fescue really suffers in July and August. So my preference would be Bermuda sod back there or Bermuda of some sort, but it's not going to root during this time of year because the dogs are running over it and tearing it up and it's just too cold for the Bermuda to root at all. You're between the proverbial rock and the hard place, Amy. Any decision you make is going to have some good and some bad to it. I think I'm going to lean towards fescue sod, but uh, I sure do think that it's going to be eventually Bermuda's going to be your final final grass out there. Okay, and then um, last part of the question would be, what is the earliest that you actually think it would germinate and everything. March, maybe? Yeah, 1st of March. Look on, let's see, it's georgiaweather.net. There's a website called georgiaweather.net, and okay. it has uh, weather, temperature, wind speed, rainfall sensors spread all over the state, but you can see on the map of georgiaweather.net, your town, whatever uh, um, sensing station is near to Cartersville, and click okay. on that. It'll tell you exactly what the soil temperatures are, which then gives you an idea. Okay, it's just about warm enough to put my fescue seed out, which I'm going to imagine is going to be around the first week of March. Okay. Good deal. Well, thank you so much. Really like your program. Well, thanks so much. And, you know, another possibility, Amy, is to – do you think you could use artificial turf in any place and put the dogs on that? 
No, but I think I can certainly walk them on a leash in the front yard until we can get something to grow in the back. Yeah, I understand. It's going to be tough, but you'll have to figure it out. But eventually we'll have a nice lawn and we won't have to do all this dog stuff to worry about after all. By the way, if people want, if other listeners are interested in landscaping for dogs, Man, I've got a great article written by my colleague Sheldon Hammond on my website. It's just all about the things you can do to minimize landscape damage that dogs might do. And it's really obvious during the wintertime, during this time of the season, about how much damage a dog can do because nothing is filling in, nothing is repairing damage because it's uh, cold right now. So go to my website, WalterReeves.com, type in dog landscape or landscaping dog or something like that. It'll take you to Sheldon's article, which is just an excellent overview of how to landscape when you have dogs in the backyard. We've got Ryan on the line. Ryan's in Sugar Hill and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ryan. Morning, Walter. How are you? Morning. I'm fine. How can I help? I've got a Bermuda front lawn, um, and the previous owners had dug up a corner of the lawn uh, covered with juniper bushes, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not sure if they tried to sod it or seed it, but it is just not taking it all. I've tried pre-emergent mm-hmm. and everything there, and the only thing that seems to grow there is crabgrass and other <laughs> various weeds. Yeah. What would you suggest? I suggest dealing with uh, just accepting that it's going to be weedy and junky looking for the next um, three months. And then in May, first week of May, get some Roundup or other non-selective herbicides. Spray everything that's green. It'll all be sprouted up. All the weeds and all the bad things will be sprouted up good in that patch. But spray Roundup on it to kill everything. And then get a rake, a nice hard iron rake, and just scratch, scratch, scratch. Or if you're really industrious, get a shovel and dig it up a little bit, loosen the soil, and spread a little bit of Bermuda seed or maybe go by Pike and get some Bermuda sod and put that in its place. But I wouldn't do anything right now. It's just not much that will work, like we were talking to the lady earlier. It's just not much going to happen in January. Okay. Do the juniper bushes uh, make the soil acidic? I thought I read that somewhere. No. There's no effect. No? Nope. Okay. It's not the, the juniper bushes. It may be hard soil, and juniper was the only thing they could grow in that hard soil. But they didn't make it hard, or change the pH, or you know, make some okay. toxin in the soil at all. It's not their fault, after all. All right. Well, for now, I'll sit and wait. Thanks. Ryan. All right, Ryan. Thanks for calling. We got. Let's see who's next. Jeff is in Jackson, Georgia. Here's Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Good morning. Hey. Good morning, Walter. How you doing? Sir? All right. What's up, Walter? I am wanting to plant some bunch grapes. Yeah. and was wanting for you to recommend. I didn't want to go with muscadines and uh, scumpinons. I already have those. I just wanted to punch grapes. Can you give me a recommendation? Fredonia works pretty well, and boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo. I just know some people that have been very successful with Fredonia, F-R-E-D-O-N-I-A. And there are more, and they're divided by you know color of the grape and the skin, color of the juice that comes out. I've got a bunch of them. I don't have time to look it up right now, Jeff, but if you go to my website, WalterReeves.com, and just type bunch grape, it'll give you okay. 20 probably varieties, some of which do well in North Georgia, some do better in South Georgia, some have a purple uh, juice, some have a, a light golden juice, and that's where I would go for recommendations. Go to my website. All right, well, thank you. And hey, uh, as far as our zone, uh, being in Jackson, Georgia, yeah. what what zone are, am I actually in down here? I would call it 7B. 7 or okay. 7B if you want to divide zone 7 down. Uh, for listeners out there who don't know what I'm talking about and who may not ever have understood about what zones mean, what Jeff was asking is 
what how cold does it get in the wintertime? The country is divided into ten zones, one being the coldest, ten being the warmest, ten being, I guess, Key West, Florida. But we're considered zone seven, and that means our wintertime temperatures can get as low as ten degrees. If you go up to zone eight, or go, I should say down to zone eight, then wintertime temperatures stay in the twenties, and then further than that, in Florida, it goes down to zone nine, and then zone ten in South Florida. And so all that helps you determine which kind of plants will survive winter in our area. And so we call Atlanta and this part, or the middle part of Georgia, as being Zone 7. And the south part of it, which is where Jeff is in Jackson, Georgia, that would be Zone 7B, a little bit warmer than 7A, which would be up in Commerce and um, coming in North Georgia area like that. So that's what you have. We're 7 or 7B. Either way, Jeff, I think you'll be successful. Thank you again for your time, and y'all have a wonderful day. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Drive All safely, right. my friend. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750. Get you in to take Jeff's place at 748. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Mostly sunny today, high 54 degrees, low 29. We're getting that right now. Tomorrow, cloudy skies. Rain likely, high 53 in the low Let's call it in the mid-30s tomorrow. Stay tuned. At last, most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News Talk WSB. Coming up right now, we've got the WSB McDonald's Weekend Prize Fat. Rachel Perry is here. She is in place of Ashley Frasca, who's taking a much-deserved weekend off. Rachel is thinking of a number between 2 and 7 to determine who will win a family four-pack of tickets to see the Gwinnett Gladiators versus the Orlando Solar Bears on February 7 at the Arena at Gwinnett Center, plus a four-pack of VIP tickets to the 18th Annual North Atlanta Home Show February 6 through the 8th at the Gwinnett Center as well. Rachel Perry, what number wins? That would be caller number 4. Caller number 4 to our contest line, which is 404 404- Seven four one zero seven fifty four zero four seven four one zero seven fifty. Be the fourth caller to win these valuable prizes. Fifty-five minutes past the hour, and Roy in Buford joins us. Hey, Roy. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, man. What's uh, up? I have a question about pruning blueberries. Uh, mine are over thirty years old, and they're extremely tall. Yeah. And uh, they're so tall that it's uh, a chore to pick them. Uh, most of the foliage is up toward the top, mm-hmm. so I have these long, straight stalks and then the foliage. If I were to cut those off at head high, that would remove most of my foliage. If I did that, would it kill or damage these plants? Mm, 30 years old, it's not going to be happy. But I'll tell you what I would do, what I recommend you do is just stand in front of the blueberry for a minute and notice that there's some of the canes are really big. Some of them are probably an inch in diameter, and some of them are much smaller. They're the newer ones probably. Yes. If you take out, and by take out I mean cut down to about 12 to 18 inches high, if you take, take out the oldest, biggest, thickest canes, they're really truly not the ones that are making many blueberries on them. It's the young canes that have the flowers that make the blueberries. Okay. So take away a couple of the tallest longest, highest canes, down to about 12 to 18 inches, pull them out of the bush, and then take a second look at it. And then you may say, gosh, if I just took this limb right here and, oh, this one over to the side, it'll be down to about head high and be about the right size. And those places where you made your cuts, they'll sprout out more than likely during the summer and give you new growth down at the bottom of the blueberry plant. And that is what I recommend you do. Look for the oldest canes, take them out first, and then do a reevaluation. Take out a couple more and make it head high for picking. Okay. Um, well, these 
bushes are over 30 years old, what's the life expectancy? You know, I've, I've never lived in a place that had, oh, no. had that old uh, blueberry on it. I don't know. I would okay. think 30 is getting close, but if you continue to rejuvenate it with pruning, I guess it could live longer than that. Okay. All right. Thank you, Walter. You bet, Roy. Thanks for calling. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Roy's place. Let's real quick, let's go to Jan in East Point and see if we can get this done real quick. Hey, Jan. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. How can I help? Uh, Three o'clock in the morning, uh, a hundred-year-old oak tree fell down from my yard into my neighbor's yard. Yeah. Uh, we're both on Social Security, not uh, full of money. Uh-huh. In- insurance companies say, "Oh well, sounds like we might give you about eight hundred dollars, and you know, a couple eight hundred dollars on her side." But yeah. uh, from looking at this tree, I mean, it's four foot in diameter, over a hundred years old, uh, and it. Totally encompasses her backyard. So, so let's uh, get down to the question real quick here. What's the question? Uh, sorry, any anything that you know, anybody that would want wood like that, or what can I do to dispose outside of firewood? Sorry, I can't think of anybody who'd want it other than firewood. And even then, I'm not sure who to contact. Yeah, I guess yeah. if I were doing it myself, I'd maybe Google it, Firewood Atlanta and see if there's not a couple of places that sell firewood and offer to them and say, look, I got this oak tree. If you want to come take it out, you're welcome to do it. But I'm not sure they'll pay you for it. I'm not sure you'll get any money back from selling of the oak tree, but you can try and see. If somebody has a better idea, give me a call, 404-872-0750. Let's get rid of this oak tree and see if we can get you on a little better uh, situation in life. At 758, you're listening to Lawn and Garden.